Welcome to Supersize Science, where we feature research and discoveries nationwide enabled by advanced computing technology and expertise at the Texas Advanced Computing Center of the University of Texas at Austin. I'm Jorge Salazar, a science writer at TAC. It takes two to tango, as the saying goes. This is especially true for scientists studying what's inside of a cell. Protein molecules inside a cell interact with other proteins and, in a sense, the proteins dance with a partner to respond to signals and regulate each other's activities. Crucial to giving cells energy for life is the migration of a compound called adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, out of the cell's powerhouse, the mitochondria. And critical for this flow of the power-hungry parts of the cell is the interaction between a protein enzyme called hexokinase 2 and proteins in the voltage-dependent anion channel, BDAC, found on the outer membrane of the mitochondria. Supercomputer simulations have revealed for the first time how VDAC binds to HK2. This work was supported by allocations awarded by the Extreme Science and Engineering Discovery Environment, EXCEED, funded by the National Science Foundation. And it was done on the Stampede 2 system of TAC. This basic research on how proteins interact out of the cell's powerhouses, the mitochondria, will help researchers understand the molecular basis of diseases such as cancer. The supercomputer-supported study was published in Nature Communications Biology, June of 2021. It found that when the enzyme and the channel proteins bind to each other, the conduction of the channel changes and partially blocks the flow of ATP. Simulations on Stampede 2 reveal this binding. Here to talk more about it are study co-authors and biochemists Emmett Takorshid, Nandan Haloy, and Pacho Wen at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Welcome to Supersized Science. No problem. Thank you, Jorge, for the opportunity. So one thing that is very important in biology in general is the interaction between proteins. So protein-protein interaction is actually a the next level of biology we would like to understand uh, how cells work. So for a long time, uh, we have been looking at the individual proteins using experiments, using simulations to see how they function, how they move. But uh, a cell, especially in higher organisms like us, like humans, so there is always interaction between proteins regulating each other, responding to signals and so on and so forth. So this, this is a subject that is kind of uh, we need to move in order to understand how the cell works. The system that we worked on is actually belongs to mitochondria. As you know, it's a powerhouse of the cell where the energy is produced. So then anything that is produced in mitochondria needs to come out and go into the cell, into the cytosol, to the cytoplasm where the, the cell uses ATP, for example. So this channel that we worked on, VDAC, is actually a channel that is responsible for migration of ATP from the mitochondria to the cell. And then inside the cell, of course, tons of different enzymes use, use ATP that is produced by mitochondria and then channeled through VDAC. So there are tons of these, including actually an important protein called hexokinase. That's the second player in our story. And that guy actually takes the ATP and phosphorylates another component in the cell. We don't have to worry about that. So this reaction, this is actually sugar that gets phosphorylated. And this step is very important for the metabolism of the cell. And if you mess with it, then there's going to be diseases involved. And we can provide more details on, on sort of 
pathological implications of, of this process. So now, for a very long time, people suspected that actually these two proteins, it's not like they work in isolation and one channels ATP and then hexokinase uses that. It seems that actually they have to interact directly to, with each other to be, to be sort of optimally effective for the cellular environment. So what happens, they suspected for a long time, actually, that these two bind each other. We had some experimental evidence that this is happening. Uh, we, even in the paper, we are reporting that when they bind each other, the properties of the channel changes. So we have a strong evidence that they bind, but we didn't know how they bind each other. So that was the million dollar question. So what we did is in this work, you know, many people have been using molecular dynamics separately, Brownian dynamics separately. These are two simulation techniques. So what we did was to bring them together. It's kind of hybrid approach to the problem because molecular dynamics is kind of too slow to describe the entire binding process encounter and binding of the two proteins. Uh, and then uh, Brownian dynamics is not accurate enough to give you so all the atomic, atomistic information, how they come together, how they bind each other, energies, and so on and so forth. So we took a hybrid approach. And on top of that, we did that on the surface of the membrane. That was kind of unique to, to our work. Nobody else has done this before in the presence of the membrane because we know hexokinase, actually we showed in the paper that hexokinase the second enzyme binds the membrane. We know that the, the VDAC, the first player, is in the membrane. So this reaction should happen in the presence of the membrane. So we took that into account using computational tricks that we devised in the work. So by bringing all these pieces together, including the membrane using MD and Brownian dynamics, we could actually generate models for the complex between the two proteins that we then confirmed experimentally. So we showed that actually the, the way they bind each other, so the hexokinase binding to the first protein should affect its conduction. And that was shown experimentally. We even actually looked at the phosphorylation and modification of the protein that was shown experimentally to be important. And we showed how the phosphorylation affects this process of binding between the two proteins. That was again verified experimentally. So that made actually our work kind of um, quite attractive for, for the field. So again, for the first time going, not for the first time, many people have been trying this actually, to go into the protein-protein interaction domain, which is much more challenging, and also bringing together really various computational tools and tricks, some of them developed in our own lab actually, to be able to describe it as close as possible to the, the real biology of the system. So that's the, if I want to put it in a nutshell, <laughs> the importance of the work. And of course, these become really expensive simulations and calculations in general, and we heavily rely on supercomputers that are provided by Exceed and other resources and on the programs that are developed actually in our own lab, NAMD and DMD, as you, you might know, are developed in Urbana, Illinois for 30 years now. So we really relied on sort of these uh, high performance tools, high performance computing tools, hardware and software 
to be able to do this work. In fact, the Brownian dynamics part, the, one of the methodologies that we use actually was also developed as part of our center by Professor Aksimentiev. We can send the information to you. So I think it's uh, proper to also acknowledge that. So it was also developed here in Urbana in addition to the MD code that has been developed for, I don't know, more than 20 years actually here. So I would like to actually also, before I hand it to Nandan and Pocha, also mention that it was a very fruitful and close collaboration with our experimental colleagues at the Medical College of Wisconsin, who are, who are our co-authors. Very nice back and forth work. And the work was supported by NIH. So we have a grant together supporting the paper. So uh, in terms of the design of the project, it was, at the beginning, it was very really confusing because it's, as Imad said, that was in simulation techniques, uh, whatever we simulate, it's very difficult to like study the protein-protein interaction because uh, the time scale, uh, the protein-protein interaction happens, which is around like a millisecond or second, which is very difficult to simulate in terms of atomic, atomistic scale simulation in molecular dynamic simulation. And um, that's why we had to like come up with a very intellectual way of designing the project so for example, bringing multiple things, uh, for example, membrane interaction was done by a specific technique uh, called uh, HMMM, highly mobile membrane magnetic model, which is also developed in our lab. And then we first use that and then convert the, uh, that was happened in the MD simulation, which is in the atomistic scale. And then we changed the resolution to a little bit more coarser resolution for bound dynamic simulation so that we can see the protein-protein interactions because protein-protein interaction, we cannot really see in an atomistic detail simulation, for example, ND simulation. So that's why we convert this to band dynamics, and then we simulate the, all the possible interactions. And then once we found some uh, possible guess about this complex, and we convert that again to the atomistic scale to see whether whatever we've seen from this like high, uh, low resolution simulation, whether it's, whether it's correct or not. And then again, we verify this further with experiments, as Imad said. So at the beginning, it was kind of seemed quite impossible when we started this project because these kind of things are very, very like challenging until we, uh, until unless we tried. And, and before we tried, even this looks like almost uh, not feasible. But once we tried and the multiple times and with different, different techniques, and we went step by step and, and everything seems to be uh, consistent, even with experiment, then we become like, the story become more full and full, uh, complete. And then that's the whole uh, story build up about this project. I might add before Pochow maybe say something uh, that we feel like being in the center in Urbana and we are among the leaders of the field to go after really challenging problems. And this was one of them. So we need to sort of implement and devise new ways of doing things using simulations and supercomputers not just doing the same thing and again and again. So that was a good example of really uh, combining the tools that we had in our repertoires, moving between different scales, as Nandan also emphasized, to be able to handle this problem. And actually, we are using the same approach now for a couple of other membrane-bound proteins to calculate protein-protein interactions very uh, effectively. I just want to... Uh, comment uh, one extra aspect that 
we are actually not the first research group looking at the interaction between these two proteins. Uh, there has been some simple protein-protein docking studies before. But what our approach stands out here is that we actually consider the, uh, the cellular background of this interaction happening. So what makes the difference from our approach is that the previous is just uh, simply looking at, say, protein A, protein B, what could be the possible way to put protein B onto the surface of protein A and get the uh, attractive interaction. But we consider this property in a different kind of perspective that uh, our hypothesis that, okay, uh, we have two proteins. One is a member protein, one is a soluble protein. But we know this soluble protein will occasionally interact with the membrane. So the hypothesis comes from, okay, that it probably will bind to membrane and then interact with the target. So uh, that's how we designed this uh, project uh, step by step. We start from the fragment of the, the server protein where we know it is important for membrane interaction and look at how the interaction starts with the membrane binding and then develop a model of, okay, now we have the portion that interact with the membrane and then how we, uh, and then we expand to the, uh, a larger uh, whole protein and model how this uh, cellular protein will interact with membrane and use that as a guidance for protein-protein interaction in the membrane context. So that's uh, how we design the uh, Brownian dynamics with the uh, planner uh, degree of radon. It is not really uh, diffusing in the three dimension, it's just uh, inside that membrane plan. And then we get the uh, interaction between these two proteins in, in uh, uh, several possible candidates. And then we use all at an MD to get uh, a better, uh, say a more refined model and a specific size of interaction uh, to look for uh, the, the, this uh, particular protein-protein interaction. I think uh, it's fair to say that, yes, people have used simple docking techniques to look at protein-protein interaction, but uh, I, I claim that we have provided maybe the most detailed and the most sophisticated model taking into account the cellular background, namely the membrane, and, and then using molecular dynamics and Brownian dynamics, not simple docking techniques that just put things together. So I think we, are, we, we claim to, to be providing the most sophisticated model for the complex uh, of these two proteins in this work. What's the most important thing that you'd like the public to know about using supercomputers to research cellular activity and, um, and get a better understanding of things like cancer? We would like to sort of call what we do in our business a computational microscope. You know, many people refer to this term. Uh, that was coined uh, quite a few years ago. So this is the only way, I mean, experimentally, you cannot gain the, the spatial and temporal resolutions at the same time for any methods, actually. Computational approach to this problem is the only way to have simultaneously spatial and temporal resolutions at very, very high resolution level. So I, we would like to look at our work as a computational microscope that allows you to look at molecular systems and processes, how the molecules come together, how they move, 
how they change their structure to accomplish a particular function that you people have been indirectly measuring experimentally. So by providing this level of detail with our approach, we would like to contribute to, I don't know, understanding the molecular basis of diseases, drug discovery is another thing, nanotechnology is another application, how to learn from biological systems and to implement the same mechanisms in building devices, sensors, and so on and so forth. So this kind of calculation, as I pointed out several times, without supercomputers, we can't do these things. We, we have to close shop, so to say. So supercomputers are essential, and I hope that the public understand the importance of this great tool in this approach and continue to support that. You've been listening to Emmett Takhorshid, Nandan Halloy, and Pacho Wen of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Cyberside Science is brought to you by the Texas Podcast Network. The conversations changing the world brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the hosts, not of the University of Texas at Austin. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.